0: Hey, Here we are. It is episode 522 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It is Monster Kid Radio. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook, and this is week two of Lucha de Mayo 2021. Welcome to the show, everybody. What is Lucha de Mayo? Well, once a year during the month of May, Monster Kid Radio points itself, focuses on luchador monster movies of the 1960s and 70s, and every once in a while we might even play a little bit beyond that or outside of that range, but typically it's the luchador monster movies from Mexico with characters and people like Blue Demon, Mil Máscaras, El Santo, and the like. Well, this time around, we are talking about a movie that, well, you know what? Yeah, it's got Blue Demon in it. Is he the star? I, I don't know. Um... This week's movie has a really weird kind of background, uh, bizarre uh, lineage, uh, how it came together, that sort of thing. It was actually supposed to be a vehicle for a different person in Mexico altogether who wasn't really known as a luchador. He might have wrestled at one point, but he was really more known as a celebrity, escape artist, fitness guru, stunt performer, a guy by the name of Zovek. And the movie that we're talking about this week is Zovek and Blue Demon and The Invasion of the Dead. It's got a handful of other titles as well, but that's what we're going to call it this week here on the show. Now, I'm not talking about this movie by myself. As always, I bring somebody on to talk about these movies with me. And this time around, we've got Go Forth in Games' Tom garganis Now, he's back on the show. He's a longtime friend of the show, a great friend of mine. I can't wait to share that conversation with you guys and gals. Now, of course, this isn't all we're doing here. Kenny's waiting here with a look at famous monsters of filmland now this is a replay of a segment that he provided to us during a previous year's lucha de mayo so you might have heard it before or it might be brand new or maybe you forgot what he said last time and but anyway it's going to be running this week plus man cannot live on lucha alone i know sacrilege sacrilege so we're gonna bring in some Ultraman. You know what? I would love to see an Ultraman luchador team up. I think that would be a lot of fun. So Ultraman, we are going to uh, tease your sweet tooth with Mark Meski's Beta Capsule review. You'll have to stay tuned to hear what I'm talking about. It's a fun recording as always, and it's another one of my favorite Ultra monsters that's going to be discussed in this week's installment of the Beta Capsule review. So we're gonna get to that. We got Kenny. We got Tom. We got the luchadors ready to go. And you're going to hear it here in a moment. First, I want to let you know that the song you're hearing is from the band, The Dead Elvi. It is from their release, A Taste of Blood. And that came out back in 2010. Now, they've given us permission to play their music here on the show before. In fact, we've even played this song on the show before, probably during Lucha de Mayo. It's the song Lucha Libre. You're going to hear it in its entirety at the end of the episode. But to get to that, we got to go through everything else. And you're going to get to that right after this.
1: Good evening, monster kids. This is the Count. I'm here with some friends to tell you about our favorite board and card game podcast. It's Go Forth and Game. Tom and Ryan talk about all things gaming, with special emphasis on interviews with game designers and publishers. What do you think about this, my tall, gaunt friend? Go Forth Game, good. And what about you, my undead comrade? I think Go Forth and Game is the most entertaining podcast about board and card games that I've come across in 4,522 years. So, if you enjoy listening to 2 Monster Kids discuss topics like abstract games, the best family games, game schooling, various game mechanics, And, of course, monster-themed games. Then you should give Go Forth and Game a try. That's goforthandgame.com, available on iTunes and Spotify.
2: Come a little Closer. Closer. Listen, my children, and you may hear tales that witness madness. Enter an asylum from which you may never escape. Become a witness to the unknown. Tales that witness madness from Paramount Pictures, rated R. Under-17, not admitted without parents.
3: Mother! Somebody help me!
2: Tales that witness madness. It's enough to drive you out of your mind and into your
3: brain. Mother!
4: Ladies and gentlemen, here is an important message from Jack H. Harris, producer of 4D Man. Imagine a check for $1 million being made out to you. In my new film, you will see 4D Man perform feats never seen on the screen before. And if you, any one of you listening to me can actually perform in real life, the feats ascribed to 4D Man, $1 million in cash will be yours your admission ticket to see 4D Man in widescreen and color may be worth $1 million. 4D Man is the most amazing motion picture ever made. The story of one man who solved the mystery of the fourth dimension. Even in this century of wonders, when science holds nothing to be impossible, you'll gasp in awe at the feats of the 4D Man. In color to thrill you as never before, 4D Man. (laughs)
5: Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Something gigantic is chomping on sharks and sinking ships in Japanese waters, but its real preference is chocolate, or to be precise, cacao beans imported from South America. The Coast Guard Command is the name of the aquatically-themed sixth episode of Ultraman, and the first person to spot the hungry monster is Hoshino's friend Chiro, who glimpses a creature in Yokohama Bay through binoculars, but unfortunately, no one believes him. Hoshino has spotted a monster of another kind, a criminal nicknamed Diamond Kick, hanging around the docks. Hoshino phones Science Patrol headquarters, but is brusquely blown off by Arashi. A friendly sailor teaches Hoshino and friends about an amphibian species called Gesera that are said to protect cacao beans from pests, when suddenly a titanic Gesera appears and proceeds to destroy the cargo ship Columbia. Chiro suggests checking the cacao bean warehouse for possible baby Geseras, and the kids investigate only to run into Diamond Kick, who's expecting to find smuggled diamonds in a cacao bean sack. Because Hoshino recognizes him, Diamond Kick takes the youngsters hostage. At the very moment, the science patrol and Gesra both arrive at the waterfront. Things look dire when Hayata is pinned under falling debris, with his beta capsule just out of reach elements of the show really gel in episode 6. The script skillfully intertwines the Diamond Kick and Gesra plots, putting young Hoshino and friends at the center of the action, while suggesting Gesra is a product of Japan's polluted waters. The scenes of colorful, now bipedal Gesra destroying the dockside warehouses are very impressive. A great deal of elaborate miniature work was created for this episode. There's a familiar face guest star. This time it's Hisia Ito as Diamond Kick, the smuggler, who had appeared in Ultra Q and was a veteran of numerous Toho classics, most notably Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. And Ultraman saves the day without firing an energy beam, a twist on the regular formula demonstrating that our hero still has some surprises up his red and silver sleeve. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting.
4: monster battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in screen terror. The three-headed monster. The human vapor. The strangest science fiction story ever told. About man's deadliest enemy, the human vapor. Never before a power so dangerous. Never before an enemy so indestructible. Nothing on earth could stop him. The human vapor. Half beast, half man. Dr. Sano had said I'd be a superman instead he had created the human vapor now i should be grateful to our doctor shouldn't i he did not do as he intended yet he did give me supreme power now i can have anything i choose destroy anyone i care to no prison bars could keep him in no door could keep him out the human vapor slips through every crack through every opening to terrify to destroy to kill see the human vapor transform before your eyes from human form to vapor nightmare the human vapor brings you a haunting legacy of fear causing panic and riot and devastation see this weird story of a superhuman power that menaces the world who can kill like an inhuman monster but who loves like a man. Here for the first time, the most dangerous experiment in terror. See the disintegration of a human being into the deadliest vapor killer. Born of woman, but recreated by an evil science into an ectoplasmic horror to stagger your imagination. The human vapor will come to life and bring you the most terrifying experience in scientific history. The human vapor. Is he man or astro-man? The Human Vapor, in
6: living color, on the giant screen. The Human Vapor. Hola cabezones de Radio de los Niños Monstruos. Soy Kenny con un vistazo a Monstruos Famosos de la Tierra del Cine. The second part of Monsters from Mexico comes at the end of issue 122 in a 10-page article with 13 pictures. It begins with a synopsis of Dr. Satan from 1966, which featured zombies controlled by the title Doctor. Next comes a sequel, 1967's Dr. Satan and Black Magic. That is followed by a look at Autopsy of a Ghost, which imported John Carradine, Cameron Mitchell, and Basil Rathbone to appear with the man-child Chabelo. Chabelo is a famous Mexican TV personality who did a kid's show advertising all types of junk food via silly games. Chabelo played the part of a squeaky-voiced boy well into his 80s, till he retired not too long ago. The film sounds crazy, as you can tell by its synopsis. In 1567, Canuto Perez committed suicide. His punishment was that he would not have eternal peace unless he finds a woman who falls in love with him and sacrifices her life. 400 years later, Satan generously provides him with three women, but he is rejected by each and every one of them, not because he was a ghost, but because they all have their own problems. The following day, all meet at the ghost house. Galena, a pretty woman who happens to be half insane, Susanna, a sassy and superstitious maid, Vitola, a female robot, Moleculo, a mad inventor played by Cameron Mitchell, Satan himself played by Basil Rathbone, and Chabelo, a spoiled child. A bank robber arrives to complicate matters, followed by an agent who calls himself zero seven and a half. The thief is also followed by a crooked mouthpiece and two cheaters who are looking for a sucker. An amnesiac heir steps in with the purpose of kidnapping the beautiful Galena, They all make fun of the devil, and in the midst of all the madness, there is only one sane woman, the Robotrex. She falls in love with and gives her life for the ghost at the very moment the inventor is performing a complicated algebraic autopsy of the ghost to disintegrate it. The atomic bomb of a Latin American country explodes by mistake. There is not time for further investigation, and immediately thereafter, the USA, Russia, Israel, France, and Red China believe they are being attacked and use their own nuclear bombs. Everything turns back to normal. Madness. The article continues with Batwoman from 1967, which features this production comment. Batwoman was shot in Acapulco, Mexico. It stars Mara Monte, a shapely Italian-Mexican actress whose battles with the fishman monster made as many as eight changes of her bikini necessary in one day of arduous shooting. 1968's Lady Death follows, which also imported John Carradine. Next comes brief mention of House of Madness, Super and the Space Boy, and Devil's Women from 1972. A Mexican Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde gets a full synopsis, The Man and the Beast from 1972. Next, Walt Lee introduces a look at luchador movies with this comment. Masked wrestlers are extremely popular in Mexico and many of them appear in both the arena and as movie heroes. In the 1957 movie Body Snatcher, Wolf Ravenskis played a wrestler who was killed and brought back to life with the brain of a gorilla. In his new body, he had large stitches on his head, ape-like fangs, and was incredibly strong. Later, Wolf Ravinsky's played the black-mask wrestler Neutron in a series of films including Neutron Against the Death Robots, Neutron and the Black Mask, Neutron Battles the Karate Assassins, Neutron vs. the Maniac, Neutron vs. the Amazing Dr. Caronte, Neutron Traps the Invisible Killers. About the same time Neutron got started, other masked wrestlers began appearing regularly in monster movies. Among the most popular are Santo, Blue Demon, and Máscaras, A Thousand Masks. Other wrestlers who have appeared in horror adventure films are Angel, Blue Angel, Tenieblas, Darkness, Frankenstein, El Rayo de Jalisco, The Lightning of Jalisco, El Fantasma Blanco, The White Ghost, El Avespon Escarlata, the Scarlet Wasp. These wrestlers are somewhat like Batman in that, while they have no superpowers, their great strength, mental agility, and sheer daring give them the winning edge over even the most powerful supernatural creatures they might encounter. In many films, the wrestler appears in teams, as do the popular monsters. One group is called the Champions of Justice and includes Blue Demon, Mil Mascaris, El Rayo de Jalisco, El Fantasma Blanco, El Avispon Escarlata, in one of their films, they battle a crazed scientist who turns rats into aggressive monsters by means of molecular transformation. The article concludes with a closer look at Neutron and Santo. A list of 28 Santo films is given. Monster Kids, we have a lot of work still. And Santo and Blue Demon vs. the Monsters is featured in a full synopsis. Hasta luego, amigos!
3: Name Cornelius, adult chimpanzee, speaks English
4: Name Zira, female chimpanzee, practices medicine Name Baby Milo, infant chimpanzee Paul's secret that can destroy mankind.
2: They come from an incredible planet of apes. They survived a war beneath the planet of apes. Now it's Earth 1973, and you're in for a surprise. Are they friendly visitors or invaders from the future? Why does the president's advisor want them shot? What is baby Milo's incredible secret? All the surprising answers are in Escape from the Planet of the Apes. All new from 20th Century Fox, rated G all ages. Escape from the Planet of the Apes.
3: Ah, thank you. I've been standing there for centuries. (laughs) Yes, I suppose it seemed. Why, it's raining, but you're not wet. No, I'm not, am I? Uh, where are you coming from? I was watching a wonderfully terrifying double feature movie. I was a teenage Frankenstein in Blood of Dracula. Oh? Professor Frankenstein created a teenage monster to bring havoc and terror to all who meet him. But he left a few parts out, particularly in the poor lad's face. Now, may we change and the subject? And the vampire in Blood of Dracula, quite unfriendly except when hungry, than any friend will do for a few ghastly moments. Please, I... Oh, here's where I must leave you. But there's nothing here but an old cemetery. Yes, I know. I want to meet some old friends here after you see i was a teenage frankenstein and blood of dracula you might drop back here we'll discuss the pictures to some length yes
4: yes i'll do that
7: (laughs) hello this is rod barnett i'm the host of the bloody pit the podcast that examines films from across the decades on the bloody pit we have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margariti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens, except when we don't. Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on the Bloody Pit. So join me for the Bloody Pit.
0: This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited. And occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to
2: take care of. Like that pesky von Helsing.
0: Cinco de Mayo continues. Not Cinco de Mayo. Lucha de Mayo continues here on Monster Kid Radio. Week two. We're doing another Blue Demon film. And, well, I mean, it's technically a Blue Demon film. You know what? I'm going to let Tom Greganis explain it to you a little bit more. Because he's this week's guest.
8: Tom, welcome back to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be I'm on the Monster Kid radio. I'm on the Monster Kid Whoa radio. I'm happy to be back. (laughs) You know, I record all this stuff, right? I know you do. Steve stole the Classic Five from me, so I'm putting my foot down on that one. (laughs) I'm making my footprint. How you doing, Derek? I'm good, man.
0: I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And I'm excited to talk about this movie. This is actually one that you brought up outside of the context of Lucha de Mayo. We, we hadn't been talking about it uh, specifically for uh, a May film, but you brought it up in conversation on Facebook. It was like, you know what? Let's do it. I don't have a lot of plans this May, so let's make it happen. I'm excited to talk about the movie, but I also want to know what's up with you, man. Go forth and game. That's still plugging along and, and rocking it, right?
8: Yeah, yeah. Actually, we were talking before we started recording, and I have dove back into it with both feet. And I was saying this is the fourth interview recording I've done this week. The three previous were for Go Forth and Game, uh, one of which is you and I were talking about your gaming Endeavors, which will be out soon. So uh Monster Kids look for that. And then a couple others on some games that came out on Kickstarter this week. One called Albadas, The Doors of Cartagena, And it's about door knockers of Cartagena, which is an interesting subject and actually a real true thing. So go check that out. And another one was called Chai Tea for Two, which is a nice little two-player game where you're tea merchants. So that's what I've been doing this week, mostly.
0: So, yeah, it sounds like you're keeping busy. Still making time for luchadors, but you're keeping busy.
8: Always time for luchadors, man. <laughs> you got to make room for your luchadors. Oh, yeah. Even, even though this one is barely creeps in on the luchador front, like you said, it's got Blue Demon in there. So there we go. Yeah,
0: Yeah, technically.
8: Technically. Technically, it's a luchador movie. Technically, it has Blue Demon in it. But we'll talk about that a little bit more.
0: Oh, boy. Um, yeah, well, ho, 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 ho,
8: <laughs> So if if listeners remember in the past, the past two times I was on, we talked about Bride of the Gorilla and The Zombies of Mortau, which I adore both of those movies. They're just amazing little low-budget films that I thought were fantastic. Um This one, I'm not as enamored with it as I was with those, but it has a weird, odd, interesting charm all of its own, and uh, we haven't even mentioned the title of it yet, so here's what we're talking about today. Zovek and Blue Demon in The Invasion of the Dead.
0: See, I got really excited that you're going to say it in Spanish.
8: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. It's... La Invasión de los Muertos. That, sure. Zovec y Blue Demon.
0: Know, Kenny can de correct mu- me if, yeah, if I, don't,
8: I spoke, yeah. misspoke on that. But I think because I had a hard time finding a good print of this online.
7: Mm-hmm.
8: Finally, I searched the Spanish title and was able to find an okay print. It was interesting because it was subtitled in, I think, Danish and yeah, then had I, English subtitles on top of that.
0: Ooh, when you brought it up, I had it uh, on uh, an old hard drive because this movie has actually been on my radar wow. for a very long time. Back when I was doing the Mail Order Zombie podcast. I actually considered tackling it because I knew it dealt with, well, it's the invasion of the dead. It's got zombies in it, right? So I was going to talk about it back in the mail order zombie days and just never got around to it. When you brought it up, I was like, oh, that movie sounds familiar. I wonder if I still have it. And I searched through a handful of different hard drives, uh, the ones that haven't failed on me over the years. (laughs) And miraculously, I had it only in English subtitles. Didn't have any of that extra stuff. So I don't know where I got it from. I just know that I picked it up at some point along the way. And now I've got it. Uh, So that's what I watched.
8: Oh, good for you. Because the copy I originally saw was on a Roku channel of some sort. And it was a a much better print than what's out there right now that you can find on YouTube or or even on the, um, the Spanish YouTube kind of things. There's one very nice print out there but it's only in Spanish. I could not get it to have subtitles that made sense. It hmm. was doing the auto subtitling um, in English from the Spanish, and it was mostly gibberish. I mean, it was it was real words, but they were real words that did not have anything to do with what was going on with the screen on the, in the movie. Okay. It was frustrating because the print was pretty good. So listeners, just letting you know ahead of time, if you go out and you want to watch this movie, it's going to be, it may be hard to find unless you uh, speak Spanish. If you speak Spanish, you're not going to have a problem. But I found one. I watched it again. And we're going to talk about it.
0: And what happened after you watched it again, Tom?
8: What happened after I watched it again? I slept overnight on it, and then this morning I I messaged Derek and apologized for making him watch this movie (laughs) because I felt guilty about it. It's It's not a great movie, but it is a fun movie. I saw one place where they referred to it as the Mexican Plan 9. So go into it with that idea.
0: Yeah, I get this message from Tom's like, man, I am so sorry. We can do another movie. I can just watch it in the afternoon right before we record. I'll make it work. He's like, no, Tom, it's all right, man. It's, it's, it's all good. No, no, actually, actually, let me take that back. You started the message with what's the policy on movies that we don't like on Monster Kid <laughs> Oh,
8: man. But you also brought back out that there are some charming things about this movie. And honestly, there's some sequences in the movie that are really good. There's a couple of them, and and we'll get into that, and just say, it.
0: well, we'll do all that, but we got to play around to the classic five first, right? The like
8: classic five. It would not be Monster Kid Radio without the classic five. It's a game
0: that we play on every episode of Monster Kid Radio. We're gonna draw five cards from this deck that I have here. Each one of these cards has a this or that, which movie do you prefer? Style question. There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get Monster Kids talking. Tommy, you ready to play?
8: Always ready to play
0: first card right off the top. Oh, it's a hammer card. Which movie do you prefer? The Vampire Lovers, Lust for a Vampire, or Twins of Evil?
8: Okay, I have not seen Lust for a Vampire yet. I recently watched The Vampire Lovers for the second time. I didn't realize I had seen it before. But out of those three, I think I like Twins of Evil best.
2: The coffin opens and terror reaches out from beyond the grave. As the Twins of Evil evoke the power of vampirism and witchcraft. Twins of Evil. They use the satanic power of their bodies to turn men and women into their blood slaves. Twins of Evil. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent.
8: Cushing's playing a little bit different kind of character, and he's really very, very good in it. Well, like I said, there are no wrong
0: answers, but that's definitely one of the right ones. So, um, you know, lust for a vampire is pretty notorious for being the lesser of the three. I'll just okay. say that.
8: Yeah, The Vampire Lovers was good. Um, you yeah, oh, it was really good. And Ingrid Pitt's in that, Cushing's in that too. But, you know, Cushing's performance in Twins of Evil, just out of that three, that makes it the best of the three.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I think it's fantastic, even though Cushing's a terrible person in it. Right. Uh, his character is anyway. Yeah. So. All right, card number two. What's your favorite Vincent Price film?
8: Last Man on Earth. Wow, you entered that quick. Part of it is because that is the best adaptation of the Matheson story in my opinion. But I will say he really captured the character well and he really pulls off the loneliness and the sadness of the character remarkably in that. I mean, you really feel that in this movie how devastated he is by you know, everybody around him dying. Okay. That one, I would say in second, a cl- very close second place is probably one of the Dr. Fives movies. I really like his performance in last man on earth. I think it's a very underrated movie. Okay. Card what, number three. What about you?
0: Oh, uh, Oh, you're gonna make me answer. this. I'm song. gonna
8: make you answer too. You know, I'm a podcaster oh. too. So, Whoa.
0: Um thing about Vincent Price movies is it's one of those scenarios and, and I say this a lot it really kind of depends on which one I've seen most recently yeah. because they're all so good Vincent Price did not know how to turn into a performance that I didn't enjoy watching even yep. something like Witchfinder General where he's a a terrible terrible person in that film somebody you do not want to spend any more time with he does it so well
8: yep. Um Yeah, I almost answered Haunted Palace because of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Haunted Palace is great. This may change, but right now... You know, I'll go House of Wax right now. House of Wax.
8: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. He's fantastic in that.
0: All right, card number three. What kaiju would make a good
8: sports team mascot? Ah, la 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 la. Manda. I think that would make an interesting looking logo. Yeah. Because you could wrap the body around like the first letter of the name, like they do in some of, th- yeah, I would go with Amanda.
0: What sport would it be uh, a mascot
8: for? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought that was your answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be a sport. Uh, I'm not a big sports person. Um, well, you're in Japan. If it's kaiju and you're talking about that, then let's say baseball.
0: I gonna say probably baseball then.
8: Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say cornhole, but you know.
0: <laughs> cornhole is not something we have all across the country. Uh, yeah, I, I, know. Mean,
8: I, I know what it is because I've listened
0: to podcasts from your part of the country for years and it comes up and everybody always makes a joke out of it. But no, it is a legitimate game. It's not nearly as, yeah, as it sounds.
8: <laughs> yeah. My, my brother-in-law is a professional cornhole player. And is making a living at it.
0: Wait, so, wait, you, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that's a real thing too?
8: It's a real thing too. Yeah, he's got sponsors and everything. So there you go. It's like bass fishing, you know, that kind of thing. Oh my, uh, wow, my mind just blew up. Yeah, I figure maybe I'll re, when I retire, I'll be a professional cornhole player. He, I have an in. <laughs> somebody who can train me.
0: Wow. All I right. just got
8: back from Las Vegas this past weekend playing cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. so hey, Frank. Right. I know you are never listen to this, but hey. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, card, card, card number, number four. Four, yeah.
0: Favorite actor to play Dr. Frankenstein? Favorite Dr. Frankenstein. Ooh, that's an
8: interesting one. Cushing comes to mind immediately, but I just watched Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, and he's truly despicable in that. Which, you know, it's, that's a good actor. But Gene Wilder. Oh, wow. Okay. How about that? I haven't watched Young Frankenstein in a while. But I really, and, and maybe it doesn't count because it's Frankenstein. Um, uh, he does embrace him, his past in the movie. I'm, I'm going to go with that. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right. So the fifth question, I'm not
0: pulling from the, the deck. This is something okay. that I'm going to ask everybody during uh, Lucha de Mayo. Okay the luchadors fought a variety of monsters over the years. Yep. What's one monster that you'd like to see them fight that they hadn't had a chance to yet?
8: Well, I mean, immediately the creature comes up, but people say the Cyclops one is the creature, but I'm not going to go with that. I want to think something a little different. They haven't. Maybe they have, and I just haven't watched it yet. Giant insects. And if correct me, if I'm wrong, Have they fought any giant insects? Is there a Santo versus Tarantula or something like that?
0: I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I'm always pleasantly surprised when this time of year comes around because I always find movies that I've never seen before. So I don't know.
8: Yeah. Okay. Well, the luchador aficionados can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There we go. There we go. Fair enough.
0: All right. Well, that is the classic five. Let's get back to this movie, uh, Zovek and Blue Demon, The Invasion of the Dead. Yes. A movie that uh, was, I think, shot around the same time as Zovek's first film.
8: Some of the scenes were shot at the same time. So I think this movie actually borrows some footage from the previous one and or they split some of the footage between the two movies because the nightclub scene – is the exact same nightclub with the exact same patrons that are in um, The Incredible Professor Zovek, which was the first movie. And the escape, the water chamber escape that he did in the first movie, the box for it is right next to the uh, escape that he does in this movie. So those scenes were filmed at the same time.
0: So I want to talk about Zovek before we get into the film itself, because I I think what's going to happen here is uh, Tom and I are going to have a good time talking about the movie and kind of laughing our way through it. And I don't want anybody to feel bad at the end of this when we tell you that Zovek passed away before this film was completed. So I want to knock that out of the park or knock that out of the way first. Yes. Uh, Zovek was an entertainer in Mexico, a stuntman, a performer of outrageous stunts and feats, an escape artist. I don't think he was really like a magician, but he was like a a fitness kind of guy. Didn't have his own show, but appeared on a lot of television in Mexico uh, during his time and would even do like worldwide tours and things. Uh, He would do these incredible stage productions and something that he does in this movie that I, I didn't understand the first time I saw it, which does imply that I watched this movie more than once. (laughs) Uh, I didn't understand this the first time I saw it before he does his big escape. He kisses the woman next to him. Now, I hadn't seen the first Zovec film, so I didn't know what was coming. I assumed that was a girlfriend or a wife. But then the hooded woman next to him comes over, and he lifts up her hood, and he kisses her. Yep. And then it happens a third time, and then he yep. goes on. So apparently, when he would do these performances, he would announce that he needed to feel the vibrations to perform these stunts. And he would get these vibrations by kissing pretty women. <laughs> Oh, wow. So this was a regular thing that he would do in all of his performances. Right. So I would imagine if you were a fan of Zovek at the time, or you'd seen him on television and you saw this in a film, it made perfect sense. Whereas to me, I'm thinking, I want that job. Yeah. So, you know, I just...
8: <laughs> yeah, the, the hooded ladies in the bikinis, which was very interesting.
0: Kind of a creepy look, right? Yeah. Kind of like one part swimsuit model, one part hooded executioner.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then the his helpers in that scene. This and this is the nightclub scene we were talking about earlier. Yeah, his helpers in that scene are all dressed like luchadors, basically, but we don't don't ever see them get to fight. So,
0: he in a break in filming, he was doing a stunt uh, to promote an appearance on television or something along those lines. It involves a helicopter. And he was he was dangling on a rope on a helicopter. Do you yep. know many of the details here? I want to make sure I don't misrepresent here. but
8: I think actually he had been contracted to go over to Japan to appear on one of their big stunt type shows where they you know just had stunt people on. And I only read this and I think I read it in two different places. They had taken a break in filming and he was helping a friend promote his circus. By doing this stunt.
0: Well, the stunt involves a helicopter and him on a length of rope hanging off the helicopter. He was going to dismount from the rope when he gets close enough to the ground. And apparently it was even rehearsed and it yep. went well. And then when it was time to actually do it, the helicopter pilot later claimed that he thought Zovek had already gotten off the rope when he decided to veer off and go up. And Zovac's still on the rope. And fell to his death, basically. 200 feet, yeah. Broke several bones in his body, and he was pronounced dead in the hospital. I believe they got him that far.
8: Yes, that's correct. And this was uh, during the filming of the film that we're talking about today. So uh, that explains a whole lot about this movie.
0: Now, a big chunk of it was shot, enough to, I would think, maybe even make a short film. Mm-hmm. Out of just the
8: Zovex stuff, but I think so too.
0: You don't put short films in the theaters. Right. You want a feature film. That's correct. So what do we do? Well, the guy directing the film is a guy who's directed a ton of Luchador movies. Yeah, Renee Cardona, and he reaches out to Blue Demon. I guess I'm not sure how yeah. how that conversation went. was like, "Hey, I need you to shoot some stuff for me." And yeah, uh, this movie does feel unique in that it's a Luchador movie with no wrestling matches.
8: Right. And the two main characters never meet.
0: They never meet. There's a weird conversation that happens on like the radio or telephone yep. between the two. But it's a very one-sided conversation. Meaning yep. you see it from Blue Demon's side and you only know he's talking to Zovik Because he's like, "Zovik, Yes, I'll do this for you. So right. that's about it.
8: Yep. There's a, a helicopter in this movie also, which is very interesting because it's the same helicopter pilot flying. The helicopter in this movie that was flying when the accident happened, But creepy, really strange. But there's a there's one scene where Blue Demon is looking up in the sky and sees the helicopter, and it's the same helicopter, and he sees it and it crashes, and then they cut to Zovek, and gosh, I've forgotten her name. It's Krista Linder's the actress, Erica. Erica are standing in front of a flaming. Was supposed to be the wreck of the helicopter, I'm, I'm assuming. Right. So they're, they're not very far away from physically, supposedly physically away from each other. But they never actually meet in the movie.
0: Yeah, it's...
8: It was sad.
0: It's a weird way to stitch the movie together. But, you know, they did what they did. Uh, I don't know what the plans were for the film, like what would have happened if this hadn't happened at all. I know Zovek was uh, in the middle of a nine picture deal. Yep. There were going to be nine films featuring this guy doing the kinds of things that we've seen luchadors do, you know, fighting monsters and aliens. And have you, have you watched the first film? I I have not.
8: I have not watched all of it. I watched the bits and pieces of it. And apparently in my searching for a good copy of this movie, It appeared that there may be some ring footage of an actual wrestling match out there also. So either him or somebody posing as him actually, you know, doing some luchador stuff. Huh. So I may look into that a little bit later.
0: So I wanted to get that out of the way because I didn't want to sound like we were being disrespectful because we are going to laugh a lot with this movie
8: cuz it's fun.
0: It's a fun flick and and I don't want people to misinterpret our laughter for disrespect right. um, for somebody who passed away unfortunately in a very unfortunate way. Yes. Especially I mean there's there's all sorts of rumors about what was really going on. Supposedly Zovek was training some military unit to do something, but that was never confirmed. It just it's weird.
8: Yeah. Seems like he was a very interesting guy. I mean, he was uh, you, you mentioned him being on television and stuff. Some of the things I mentioned, some of the stunts that he was doing is like, you know, doing several thousand sit-ups uh, nonstop and fitness kind of things like that. And again, he was a, uh, apparently a very good escape artist, you know, so he had a following and, you know, was popular during his time uh, as witnessed by the nine movie deal that he had cut with Cardona. It just was unfortunate that we lost him when we did. Who knows? Maybe he'd have been one of the champions of justice at some point in time.
0: Yeah, I could see it. Why not? Yeah. Let's talk about the film. Uh, It
8: opens with a Bible quote, doesn't it? It does. Which I was not expecting. Nope. It was a big narration sequence right at the beginning of the movie talking about Basically, that there are aliens out there and we should be watching for invasion. And then throws this quote from Genesis 22, which didn't seem to me to fit well. But, you know, I guess Rene Cardona thought it did.
0: So, somebody did. Somebody did. So this invasion, we don't really see the invasion. We see a fireball. Right. <laughs> that That is set on fire and rolled down a hill.
8: Basically, yeah.
0: Which, you know what? I thought that was kind of cool. I'm all in for that. I want to see more of that. Yeah, yeah. You know,
8: here's, here's a meteor.
0: Let's do so, it. You've got right. a couple of cops driving by, and they're going to check this thing out. And when they get out of the car to check it out, I don't know how much time passes. But eventually, Zovek comes by on his motorcycle and sees the car there, and he he answers the radio, says he's in the car, and they're like, Zovek, what are you doing here? And when (laughs) this first starts, I'm thinking, okay, so Zovek's like a luchador. They all know who he is. Right. He helps the police, you know, whatever. But then, is it gunshots that he hears? Yeah, he
8: hears gunshots.
0: So he takes off, and he goes to look, and I guess the cops have shot something?
8: Or each other. It's not really clear, is it? It's not really clear, but he picks up one of the guns and, you know, opens this revolver, takes the shells out, and they've been shot. So, yeah, somebody shot this gun somehow at something, and then we jump to Blue Demon. Yep,
0: and I, I don't know how far we are into the movie when this happens, but Blue Demon spends a good what felt like a good 15 minutes, and I didn't time it, and I'm sure it's not that long, but a very long time going on this spiel of all the weird stuff that's happened in the world regarding
8: corpses. Yep. Corpses <laughs> and, and UFOs, yep.
0: Corpses and
8: UFOs, mostly in the U.S. <laughs> right. Tallahassee, Florida was mentioned specifically.
0: Tallahassee, Florida was mentioned um, a few other places were mentioned and he's got this assistant in the back. so I okay. gotta ask you, the assistant played by Polo or team. Yeah. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever for this guy to be here.
8: No. I'm I'm guessing he was <sighs> he had a contract that needed to be filled out or something. Or he maybe he's a popular comedian or something at that time. And it was another <laughs> way true. to bring people into the movie. But oh, he was annoying.
0: In the past, and and I brought it even last week that we've talked about the big three of luchadors, right? Santo, Blue Demon, and Mil mm-hmm. And we talk about Santo being Superman and Blue Demon being Batman, right? Well, this guy, Robin, he is not. No, nope. okay? <laughs> he is not a great uh, sidekick. He he really provides nothing.
8: No, he's like Herbie the Robot from Fantastic Four. Oh wow. <laughs>
0: This guy had been around since the 30s doing stuff, okay. and he did a lot. But I suspect it's one of those things where us here up in the States don't really know much about him, had a chance to see him or whatever.
8: I'm guessing that's what it was. I I, I would guess because he's – if he's not the third listed in the opening credits, he's the fourth listed in the opening cre- – well, I maybe fifth after because um, Krista Linder's third – And I think he was listed along with someone else, Renee Rodriguez or something like that. So I'm betting uh, that you're exactly right in that, that we just don't know who he is.
0: I'm looking at the uh, movie poster that I used to create the cover art this week. And he is on the movie poster his name. It's the last one on the movie poster, but it's there. Yeah. But again, I feel like he offered nothing to the, the story at all.
8: He hindered the story in my opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, he, he is just kind of along for the ride. At one point, Blue Demon even threatens to kick him out. You'll know, get out of here if you're not. You know, just be quiet. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yes, we're going to get rid of him. No, he sticks around to the end of the movie. And and that's.
8: Yeah, he was the definitely the comic relief of the movie and really wasn't very funny. So there's that.
0: I just think in terms of the story in in the world. Yeah. You know, it's not like he served Blue Demon tea. It's not like he he helped Blue Demon uh, with his luchador suit or or anything. Nothing. He was just kind of this bumbling guy that hung out with Blue Demon. Yeah. And Blue Demon tolerated it.
8: (laughs) He's the snapper car. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, Maybe I'm (laughs) dragging snapper car down. I don't know. Oh, man. But anyways yeah he 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 have nothing and the interesting thing was how did you like blue demon's headquarters
0: you know i've seen i've seen better yeah. um, but i've also seen worse that's true you know i i kind of got the impression that this is one of those situations where they had blue demon for a very short period of time yes and they found like a recording studio right like a, a little corner of a recording studio somewhere turned on all the machines so the reel to reels were running in the background and gave him a bunch of lines to say
8: yep and it was appeared to be in the bottom of a factory somewhere because they walked through a boiler room and something yeah yeah um yeah i'm guessing it's probably you know it's maybe a two three day shoot at the most yeah he's only in in that set the headquarters set and then one or two scenes outside yeah where he's about it where he's fighting i think that's about it yeah
0: and even the fight scenes weren't, y- whatever.
8: Blue demons brought in to assist in these, uh, what, UFO sightings and the disappearances of these bodies.
0: The way he talks about them, I wanted to see more with the corpses. I mean, at one yeah. point he talks about how the corpses without heads get up and start walking around. I wanted to see that. Please, that would have been so cool. But we don't get to
8: see it. Oh, well. <sighs> well, well, when when you remake it. Oh, no. (laughs) God, no. (laughs) So we have to get the background of what is kind of catalyzing a lot of this movie. So on this ranch somewhere in Mexico. yes. Yeah. The ranchers found some pictographs on the wall of this canyon. It just so happens that the professor and, and his daughter are doing some research close by. So he says, Hey, can y'all come check these out? And he tells them about them. And the daughter says, Oh, I know someone we should bring in who'll know all about this. And enter Zovec to go see the nightclub scene.
0: And I got real excited at this point because the minute they said Egyptian, whatever, my brain went, Oh, we're going to see some mummies. No,
8: nope, no mummies. Would have been cool. Hey, it would have been really cool if his helpers had been dressed as mummies. There you go.
6: Oh. That would be cool.
8: They escaped from the Egyptian coffin. Was his one of his really big Zovek comes down and he's dressed in his Zovec costume, which is this gold shiny suit with the seventies cut down to the belly showing off his chest, and he's doing his big Zovec sign over his head with his fingers and He's got his headband on, which is apparently very a very big thing. And they truss him up in a straight jacket and put like about 20 or 40 chains on him, it looks like, and put him in this coffin and set it on fire. And so he has to escape. Good thing he
0: got those vibrations going because he was able to get out.
8: <laughs> Boy, if he hadn't had those vibrations, it would have been barbecue time. I know, right? But he escapes, of course. He goes back to his dressing room, and the professor and Erica show up and say, Hey, Zovek, and he's like, Stop. I know why you're here. You're here about some pictographs on the side of the thing, and I know all about it because my, my um, Tibetan llama taught me this, and it you know, gets into some mysticism there. And apparently he was trained by Tibetan llamas and you know, we get that kind of thing. And he's like, of course I'm going to help you because he read their minds.
0: Yeah. I forgot to mention he reads minds. Yeah. Of he course. reads minds too. So of course he does.
8: Maybe it's, that's some of the vibrations. Is that it? I guess maybe he, he can definitely read somebody's mind while he's kissing them. I would think. Uh, yeah. That's just my guess. I don't read mine, so I don't know how that works.
0: <laughs> You're not able to get those vibrations going?
8: Not those <laughs> mind waves, no.
0: Yeah, not like that, no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he he's brought in to help figure out what's going on. and The pictographs show what? Some sort of alien? Do the pictographs t- tip him off? The t- aliens? He, knows,
8: oh, he knows exactly what's going yeah. on with the pictographs. So yeah, since he's there, like, yeah. Well, he says, you know, they're... they're Oh, gosh, there was a big, long thing. Hold on. i got notes about this somewhere. It's okay. something to do with the earth and water and fire and air is missing. So it means that things are out of balance, and that means there's a cataclysm coming. Um, but I don't know if he actually says something about aliens at this point.
0: I forgot. Yes, he does kind of go through, like, the the, the missing element. So, woo, Yeah. <laughs> And, and keep in mind while all this is happening we occasionally will go back and check in with blue demon yeah you know blue demon becomes a bigger presence toward the ends of the film toward the end of the film but for the most part it's it's zovec action with the occasional appearance of blue demon right so just yep. as you're about to fall asleep watching Zovik, blue demon will show
8: up <laughs> <laughs> well you, you know you get this explanation about this calamity and you're thinking okay that's Interesting, and the one of the next things they do is they cut to a meteor. And, you know, here we get another fireball coming in, and this one's actually done a lot better, I think. Yeah, it, it looked yeah. like it was actually on a wire coming out of the sky, and it crashes, and there's smoke and explosion, and then while the smoke clears away, there's this great big round mysterious object, black yep. object. And then we yeah. cut back to Blue Demon. Yeah. <laughs> And, and we get some blue demon for a couple minutes. Oh, and then we cut back to Zovec and there's a storm. This is where we get some really cool scenes though.
0: It, it does. I'm sitting here giggling to myself, uh, but when you and I were talking earlier and you were talking about maybe picking a different movie and I said, this movie's got some charm. This is where I started to really get excited.
8: Yeah. It's nighttime. There's a, a rainstorm and we cut to a cemetery and, we get the dead coming back to life at this point. So the seminary, all the graves start opening up and it's shot at night with some interesting lighting in the, the long shots across the graveyard and you get, you know, the dead people walking through the graveyard and it's really eerie. It looks really cool.
0: It does look really neat. The makeup isn't, you know, fantastic. Right, they don't right. look all bloody and gory and all that. But it still looks really cool. You get that many zombies or that many dead people walking around at once. Yep. Especially the way they were moving. They had kind of a. I was gonna say dead look to them, but that's exactly what right, they yeah. were. Uh, they, They're they have shambling this kind of, around. Yeah, yeah. It really reminded me of the movie uh, The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue or okay. Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. The, the way they kind of move around a little bit. Right, and right. And I, I, man, you got the rain going. Oh man, I, I was flashing back to my mail order zombie days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and I was having a good time with it. I'm like, oh, this. This is going to be cool. We're about uh, to see full on zombie attack.
8: Yep, yep. And to me, it reminded me a lot of Night of the Living Dead. Yep. As you get, you know, you get a a graveyard scene with the dead coming back. This one was actually potentially a little more creepy because it is happening during a rainstorm at night, and so you've got that whole setting going on, and and the way it shot it. With that long shot in particular, the cameras set up a little bit higher, you know, like 12 or 14 feet and set way back with some lighting coming in, silhouetting some of the zombies and the old, the apparently very old graveyard with some really cool looking headstones and tombs and stuff. Yeah, it was really, really well done. I thought that to me was the best scene of the movie. And you're right. I was like, oh, yeah. Here we go. Now we're getting into some invasion of the dead stuff. Kind of. You're like, okay, what? why are the dead rising exactly? Because we don't really know why. They are, and that's cool, but you know, there's no real explanation. And as things go on, you learn that it's this giant, this mysterious object that crashed that's somehow doing that, bringing them back to life and directing them to kill people.
0: Well, and, and as the movie I continues, think. yeah, that's, that's the thing. As the movie gets really foggy at this point for me. Right. Because it's a lot of running away and running around these big crowds of dead people walking around. Right. Or being super surprised when you're sitting in a vehicle with somebody who's not dead. You look away, you look back, and, oh, they're a zombie now. Yeah. And <laughs> there's a lot of that, too, like this instant zombification. But that's something I've never seen before where it just happens immediately like that. Right. And that gave me a little bit of a charge. I think that that's actually kind of neat and really kind of amps up the paranoia. It's bad enough if somebody that you recognize as a living human being isn't living at all. Right. But make it even worse by (laughs) sitting in a vehicle or sitting next to somebody who you're having a conversation with. And then 30 seconds later they have switched. Yeah. That, that idea is just terrifying. It goes beyond the whole identity horror that you get with typical American zombie movies. Right. Right. And I really appreciated that.
8: You see that in a couple of different places in the, in this movie, there's some, there's some surprising stuff that they do with it. And I'm going to mention that in a second, but with the dead people coming back, the first attack of the dead happens at that. We see happens at the camp um, that, Zovek and the professor have set up, but they're not actually there at the time. So it's the helpers and they're talking on the radio to Zovek when the zombies come and attack them and he hears some shots or something and then goes running off and he runs down there and the guys are dead. And so he's walking around trying to figure out and they come back to life while he's there. And he's like, oh, what in the world? And they're fighting, you know, here are these guys who he had hired to you know take care of the camp and and do archaeology or something and now they're coming back alive and then later in the movie the rancher who originally found the pictographs and who's you know been helping them out he gets killed by the zombies and comes back and then the really surprising one spoiler alert um (laughs) Zovek and Erica are flying around in a helicopter, who, which, uh, surprisingly, Erica knows how to fly a helicopter.
0: Which you don't typically see in these movies. Typically, the, the women are not.
8: I mean, she doesn't do a whole lot else in the movie except run around. But they f- see her father laying on the ground from the helicopter, and they land the helicopter. She goes o- runs over and to make sure he's all right, and she's like, oh, no, oh, no. And then he opens his eyes. And we're like, "Oh yeah, you know, and he's got the, <laughs> the, the the you know the basic zombie makeup that you see, you know, he's darkened around his eyes and maybe a little bit under his cheek you know to bring you syncify his cheeks a little bit. And so here we go with Zovek and Erica running for twenty or thirty minutes off and on from hordes of zombies. We see a lot of that
0: when we don't see that, we see blue demon, oh yeah and, and uh, his buddy.
8: also getting involved right (laughs) the interesting thing that surprised me and i had completely forgotten about this until i watched it last night is there's all of a sudden we've seen the zombies walking around and then they cut and there's these soldiers walking across the field and you're like oh okay so the government's going to start working on the zombies no, two monster guys pop up and kill the soldiers. There's this werewolf guy and this other guy with the hairy, uh, he's not quite a werewolf-looking thing. Where in the world did they come from? It's the middle of the day. Yes. Okay.
0: The The moon's not up, but there's a werewolf-looking dude, and then a guy who looks like he's maybe in mid-transformation, but not. Right. Yeah. It, it's. It, it, they just show up. And this is who Blue Demon spends a lot of time fighting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's really just fighting. There's maybe like one or two of Blue Demon's signature wrestling moves, but that's right. about it. Most of it's just chops across the chest.
8: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so, oh, man. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, uh, oh, monsters all of a sudden. Okay. Maybe we're going to get some monsters some more. Well, no, they just pop in. They kill these soldier guys. And then later on, they pop back up and Blue Demon throws them around a couple of times. But the the soldier guys come back as zombies, and Blue Demon gets to fight them, too. True. So there was that. I mean, you know, we got to see Blue Demon with a lot of solo action at the end. Yeah, Yeah. well, they kind of
0: had to, because they— Well. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, I feel bad even laughing about it.
8: One of the most interesting things that I had never seen before in a zombie movie is the um, zombie flying the helicopter. I thought that was neat. they they're running from this horde of zombies and the helicopter lands and it's the helicopter pilot guy. And so they climb in with him and wait a minute, he's a zombie and they (laughs) jump out and he goes flying off and they're running from the, this giant, you know, 40 or 50 horde of zombies running down this big road somewhere in Mexico. And he's dive bombing them with the helicopter As they're running, I'm like. It's it's
0: kind of exciting, right? Yeah.
8: I was like, wow, I hadn't seen that before. You know, George Romero didn't think about this in any of his sequels. He should have had people flying helicopters
3: or zombies (laughs) flying
8: helicopters. (laughs) And it gets better. You, and you mentioned, you alluded to this earlier. So they're running, and they get out to this road. They've run away from most of the zombies. They get out to the road. Here comes a truck. They It stops and picks them up, and they're like, you know, we got to get to the authorities, you know, on and on like this. And the guy's driving, and, and suddenly we realize, hey, this guy's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> and Zovek is, like, fighting him because he's trying to run them, you know, crash them into the other cars coming the other way, and Zovek keeps <laughs> – Keep them from getting crashed. He's fighting with him, struggling over the steering wheel. And then we cut to Erica and Erica gets this little puzzly look on her face. And then we see her reach over. She just reaches over and cuts the car off. <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. That she's was like, great. While the
0: boys are fighting, I'm just gonna take the keys out of the ignition. Yeah, she the,
8: keys out of the, ignition the car pulls the truck pulls over to the side of the road and they jump out and start running away.
0: There there is one thing that happens in here that I had seen before. Yeah in terms of what I've seen since. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. There's a gag in uh, the zombie classics, uh, Shaun of the Dead, where the characters get away by pretending to be zombies and blending with the crowd. That happens in this movie. Yes, it does. I was surprised to see that happen. I'm not saying Shaun of the Dead ripped this movie off.
8: Uh, So Simon Pegg knows who Zovek is. (laughs)
0: You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. I would actually. not be surprised. You know, that now, that, now that we said that out loud.
8: But yeah, I thought that, that was kind of cool. <laughs> it was the only cool thing that happened with this yeah. sidekick guy. True. That seems very much like an Abbott and Costello bit to me, or or something that would have happened in that time frame also back. That's in a good the, point. In the day.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's unique to this. I'm sure it's been done since. I just,
8: but it was a cool little touch.
0: It's, it's the only thing that I really appreciated that character for. Now, right. why he was out there in the zombies to begin with, Blue Demon should have just left him at
8: home. I think maybe he's holding something over Blue Demon's head. He's got some trash on Blue Demon, and he's like, you know, I won't <laughs> tell anybody if you'll let me be your, your sidekick.
0: I won't tell everybody who you really are, what right. you look like under that mask.
8: That's right. <laughs> he's got a picture of Blue Demon without his mask. And the only thing he can think of using it for (laughs) is to be Blue Demon's annoying sidekick. I just want to hang out with you, man. That's right. (laughs) And then we get some more narration at the end. We get a closing narration, too.
0: We do. We do.
8: And this is translated, so I don't know how close it is. But it says, we'll never find out what it's about and we'll remain ignorant of the hidden messages we are being sent. We've been shown that the planet's that surround us are uninhabitable and perhaps that's why this time beings from these planets in some part of the world are invading us and whose appearances are the same as ours so they look just like us they're your friend your neighbor or perhaps the person sitting next to you right at this moment (laughs) dun dun dun
0: so there's one website that paraphrases a quote from cardona himself about this movie right. basically saying that he was trying to create the atmosphere of the invasion of the body snatchers with yes. this movie
8: mm-hmm.
0: you have seen the same website haven't you
8: i have because <laughs> okay. there's about four websites that talk about it
0: yeah and that's about it
8: it's <laughs> yep. like i mentioned earlier before we started recording this podcast may be the most that anybody's ever talked about this movie before at one time.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe that quote there at the end is the closest it gets to about body snatches yep. for me. Yep. Um, with the whole, he may be sitting right next to you, you know, that sort right. of thing. Um, the, and I guess plan nine does that too at the end, right? You know, as yep. you're walking home, that person in the dark, could he be? Yeah.
8: I, I think that Cardona, he made a movie that's much more, much closer to plan nine in theme than invasion of the body snatchers almost identical in the fact that you've got this alien thing that comes down and causes the dead to come back to life and that's going to be one way that the aliens are, are defeating the humans to invade our world sure yeah uh, well one of the websites called this the mexican plan nine so,
0: oh boy. You yeah. know what? Okay. So we're laughing about it. We're kind of deriding parts of it and and all that. But there are moments that got me to really pay attention. Yeah. What would have happened if Zovek hadn't passed away and they made more movies? I don't know. I don't know where they were going with it. But there's some really interesting bits here. The the zombies, especially when they're getting yeah. up and about, what I like about it is that it's so matter of fact, nonchalant. There's no yes. spoo music or anything like that it just kind of happens yep and that to me is more terrifying than anything you could have done with the soundtrack
8: oh yeah yeah it's, I mean, it's you're so right.
0: mundane and commonplace that oh no you know
8: i did not notice that before but now that you mention it there's not much soundtrack in this movie is there
0: there's there's not a lot and, uh, yeah the music in these movies sometimes is a little like broken down ice cream truck, you know, yep. <laughs> it sounds like. We're, but there's not a lot in this one that stood out to me. And when the zombies are out walking around, they don't have a bunch of moaning. There's not a right. lot of shuffling. It's just they just are there. They They're are a, a presence,
8: force kind of thing.
0: And and that's how I like my zombies.
8: Yeah, I was gonna mention. There's another really cool scene at the beginning when the zombies first show up after they attack the camp. One of them escapes or something. And he follows them into some caves, and the zombies walking around in the caves with, you know, that nice stereotypical cave lighting that you see in a lot of movies. That that was some creepy stuff right there, too. I mean, he, he tangles, tussles with them a little bit, and they push him off the, off the cliff into the river. But there were some really creepy-looking scenes in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, most of the good creepy stuff involved the zombies when they first – come out and then there's some of the scenes with the zombies chasing them we've mentioned it before but there's a crowd of them they've got 50 or 60 people in the horde behind them you know chasing along that looks really impressive i mean that's how you want your zombies you want a big bunch of them just kind of you know coming at you
0: yeah i mean it's a big it's a nice crowd they all managed to stay on the road (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) so there's
8: like one or two shots where if they had
0: just zoomed in a little bit more you wouldn't see the fact that nobody was getting off the street but or off the dirt road but but still there's so many of them and there's a couple shots where our heroes are surrounded by them yes and it's it's effectively i'm gonna say creepy i don't know if i'm gonna fall on scary but it's effectively
8: creepy yeah, there's some places where there was a lot of promise that just never came to fulfillment in this movie. You know, if they had been able to focus a little more on the Zion and again, we never we don't know what was going to happen if Zovec had not been lost. It it would be a very different movie potentially if they had been able to Fully shoot everything that was in the script, I think, and it would not be as as hodgepodge and choppy as it is because, they, you know, they have to cut back and forth with, to get Blue Demon in there. It yeah. would just be interesting to know more about him. It would have been really cool to see the other, you know, six films or seven films that he potentially could have made.
0: Yeah. And, you know, knowing this one had, I mean, it's the invasion of the dead, right? It's, yeah. it's all you know, creepy, spooky. So, yeah, I would have loved to have seen more.
8: We could have done a sequel to it because he, he kind of alludes to it that, you know, there may be the same things happening in other parts of the world. Yep. So, you know, the, find out, the authorities find out, hey, Zovec knows what's going on. So here goes Zovek in Paris. You know, fighting French
3: zombies.
0: (laughs) I love the movies that we talk about here on the show, especially when it's like a a flat out monster thing, right? Or alien thing, because it sparks so much of my imagination. And I like living in that weird place in my head where (laughs) I could be thinking about current events. I could be thinking about, I don't know where I'm going to move next. Uh, I could be thinking about any kind of real world issue. No, I'd rather imagine what Zovek would be fighting if he had made nine movies. Yeah. You know, I, I wanna, yeah. That, that's where I want to live. Oh man. Well, there is still a Zovek supposedly running around. He had children. Yes, he did. And and one of the websites, probably the same one that you saw showed that he had like four kids and one yep. of them is still performing as a Zovek. Yep. So you know, I'm just saying. You know, there's there's a Blue Demon Junior, there's a Santo Junior. Apparently, there's a second generation Zovek. We've got all the ingredients. There you go. And Milt Mascaris is still running around doing stuff. So, we, we've
8: got- <laughs> here, here, here we go. We got our our Batman Beyond version of the Champions of Justice. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I love that it. That would be great.
0: I love that so much. So that's the movie. Yep, that's the movie,
8: folks. Happy Lucha de Mayo. Yeah, you should go check it out. I mean, we made a lot of fun of this movie, but it it's it's a fun movie. It's got some really cool stuff in it. It's got some charm, and you know, you should check it out. It does have
0: some charm. it It, it is a luchador movie for technically. It's mostly a Zovec movie with some Blue Demon padding, right. but you know,
8: yeah, I'll take that. And and it's got some cool zombie stuff in it. Yeah,
0: I, agreed, agreed. Yeah, that's 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 what I want. Cool zombie stuff. Some luchadors. I'm in. Cool. That's all I need.
8: (laughs) I was remiss that I forgot to mention something that very, very significant that happened this week. And I need to mention that. And that's that, Derek, congratulations for being inducted into the Monster Mm. Kid Hall of Fame.
0: Uh, Thank you. Um, I appreciate
8: that. Thanks. I'm I'm very happy that that happened, and I've wanted. I know it's been out there on the Twitters and the Facebook, but now it's also in the podcast. So I, I
0: appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and I was I actually recorded with uh, Rod Barnett earlier. Uh, cool today for his podcast, and we were kind of joking back and forth about. Um, you know, you got to refer to me as hall of famer now. And blah blah. blah. But, but you know, the truth is I'm still pretty overwhelmed by the whole thing. I don't know what to say or think about it yet. (laughs) It hasn't sunk in. So, you know, (laughs) even though I was kind of playing it up a little bit over on Rod's show in in reality, man, I, 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 I got nothing.
8: Rondo's got a brother now. So now you got, got nothing. Got your, your, your bookends. Oh man. So that's 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 really awesome. I'm I'm really really happy for you. I, I think it's a, a really great thing, and I'm glad that we were able to honor you like that. It's really cool.
0: No, I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
8: Yep. Well, and let's um mention a couple of other quick things just because they're on my mind because we talked about them on, for my podcast recently. Your gaming stuff is really starting to pick up. Uh, Dice Monster Dice is really starting to get out there a lot more. So congratulations on that too. Thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, Dice Monster Dice, uh, Harsh Kingdom. Kingdom. That's all doing well. I launched Reading the Avengers last week.
8: I'll mention that too. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm excited that that's picked up. Ki- I'm excited that I
8: got it out. Uh, yeah. I, I
0: don't. It hasn't gotten a lot of momentum yet, but I understand it's just one installment. So. Right. <laughs>
8: You got a lot to go through too.
0: Oh yeah, and I can't wait, man. I'll be making YouTube videos till I'm like eighty. <laughs> yep. Oh man, just gotta keep creating, cool, man. man.
8: Keep creating. Yep. And monsters from the public domain did really, really well. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm super excited about that. So
0: now your episode that I'm on, or my episode that I'm on on your show has not gone out yet. Is
8: that right? No, I'm editing it this week. It'll probably okay. go out next week, which will be the week of May the tenth yes
0: well please feel free to uh, put a link to it in the Monster Kid radio group you know I'll mention it over yep, there and uh, I'm sure I'll mention it too at some point but yeah th- thank you for all of your support for all hey, of my projects not just absolutely. this but everything So,
8: hey man we gotta support each other heck yeah alright so what's next
0: I think that's it man
8: flesh crawls blood
2: curdles the coffin hasn't been built that can hold him. Dr. Fives rises again.
4: Five, wait!
2: Dr. Fives rises again in an even more startling motion picture with a whole new gallery of gruesome gimmicks of torture and murder. See the scorpions embrace. The eagles caress. No the sausage machine see dr fives outduel his enemies with the most diabolical devices ever created see dr fives rises again starring vincent price as the menacing fives and robert quarry as the evil biterbeck dr fives rises again all new from american international pictures rated pg parental guidance suggested dr fives rises again <laughs> The House of Wax, the ultimate dimension in terror, comes to the screen in StereoVision 3D. Vincent Price at his diabolical best will take you room by terrible room on a journey to the ultimate chamber of horrors. StereoVision 3D will synthesize before your eyes the terrifying reality of it all. In StereoVision 3D, House of Wax is more than a movie. It's an experience you'll never
4: forget. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors.
8: Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a serialized monster rally novel
1: in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror films. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos, the Hands of Fate, and the original chill role-playing game.
4: My goal is to recreate the thrills of the monster versus monster films that we all love. We'll have vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic
3: twins, and
4: scheming madmen, and that's just in the first storyline.
3: Now you can get Dr.
1: Cushing's Chamber of Horrors and other monster stories sent directly
8: to your email for as little as a dollar a month. For just two dollars, you'll get all the chapters in advance, plus bonus stories and other perks. Sign up now at CushingHorrors.com or visit SDSullivan.com for a Patreon
1: link.
4: I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And
1: remember, the Chamber is always waiting for its next victim.
0: that brings us to the end of this episode of monster kid radio. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing the post, retweeting tweets, and just letting people know about the podcast here. I want to thank everybody for all of your support, whether you are downloading the show, leaving honest reviews, or just, you know, participating on Facebook, on Twitter, in the monster kid movie club showings, whatever it is you do. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody having my back as well. You know, Tom brought up the monster kid hall of fame thing, and I'm going to say it again. I still do not know what to say about that. I'm still putting my thoughts together. So you can expect some sort of official video. I need to put it together here soon so I can get it off to David Colton over at the Rondo awards. So he's got a video to show at the ceremony since I won't be there in person, but still, I don't know what I'm thinking about it yet. I I just, I'm still pretty blown away. So Thank you if you were involved in making that happen. Anyway, let's get back to the podcast itself. We are two weeks into Lucha de Mayo, which means, well, we've got two weeks to go. What are we going to talk about next week? Well, I'm still looking for a Bill Moscaris film for Frank shoulder and I to talk about here on the show. Uh, the problem that we keep running into, and I've mentioned it before, I'll say it again, is that a lot of these luchador movies, you know, the bigger ones, they do end up getting... Subtitled or even sometimes dubbed releases up here in the States. Sometimes it's a fan job, but they get done. Once you start digging a little deeper, you start running into an issue where you don't have any subtitles at all. And the movie's only available in Mexican, or I'm sorry, that's terrible to say. The movie's only available in Spanish. You know what I meant. The downside is that I don't speak Spanish. Frank Schilder doesn't speak Spanish. Most of the people I have on the show don't speak Spanish. I know Kenny does, and he helps provide translations when he can. The thing is, that, on the one hand, it's easy to say that, you know, we all can speak the international language of Lucha. It also would be really nice to know what they're saying in the movie. So Frank and I are still trying to work that out. In the meantime, though, Chris McMillan is signed up. He has stepped up to be part of the show next week. He and I are going to talk about the 1968 movie, The Batwoman. No, it's not your traditional luchador film. However, there are wrestlers involved, and the woman does wear a mask. So, you know what? We're going to talk about The Batwoman next week. It's directed by Renee Cardona. He's the guy that did a lot of luchador movies. It counts, right? It's my show. I make the rules. Anyway. Uh, that's going to be coming up next week. You can keep up with Monster Kid Radio over on Facebook by looking up the Facebook page or Facebook group. You can also find us on Twitter, on Discord, and on Reddit, and on the weekends in the Monster Kid Movie Club, where we show anywhere from six to eight hours of monster movies all day long. It starts at 11 a.m. Pacific, and then the movie that's the pre show. The movies themselves start around noon, and then it goes till well until we're done. And this weekend, we're doing nothing but John Carradine movies. You're welcome to join us. Please head over to monsterkidmovie.club or just go to twitch.tv and look up Monster Kid Radio and join us. We have a live chat going. There's a giveaway. Usually we give away something. Uh, this weekend we're going to be giving away another Monster Kid Radio t-shirt from the T Public Shop, which you can find at tinyurl.com slash mkr t-shirt. It's a good time. It's free. Come for one movie. Come for them all. Hang out with your fellow monster kids. You can meet a number of monster kid radio personalities, personas, people, regulars, irregular, whoever, the guests, a lot of them hang out in the chat. So we'd love to have you join us there. And then on Tuesday, we do the same thing for a limited period of time. We do science fiction movies from like 3.30 till around 8 o'clock. And then we talk about a Star Trek episode uh, with Jeff Pullier. So please feel free to join us there as well. Same deal, same live chat. It's just a lot of fun. So feel free to join us there. I'm trying to think of anything else coming up for Monster Kid Radio. Uh, Nothing is really coming to mind. However, I did get a message on Facebook from somebody about an event coming up in about a month that I got really excited about. Let me see if I can find that real quick without, uh, yeah, boring you too much. Okay, so this comes from listener of the show, Ingrid. Turns out, There is a Rod Serling event happening online from UCLA, and Rod Serling's daughter, Anne Serling, will be involved. This is a free event. Uh, What what it's going to be is a night of, or day, I I guess it starts at 4 p.m. Pacific, so an afternoon of a number of Rod Serling uh, videos or films. There's going to be uh, his... Emmy acceptance speech from 1964 for winning an Emmy for uh, his uh, short, I guess, is it a film or episode of The Chrysler Theater? It's Mental Work. We're going to see the actual short, It's Mental Work. Uh, that's going to be coming up as well uh, on that. And like I said, it is free. It is with Eventbrite. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, but it, just head over to eventbrite.com and then do a search for Rod Sterling. I don't think this is like a live chat or anything like that. But, I mean, this will be cool. It's Anne Sterling talking about her dad. How awesome is that? And we're going to see some stuff from Rod Sterling that you don't normally see. Again, link in the show notes. And Ingrid, thank you for sending me a link to this. I really appreciate it and letting me know about something I need to sign up for. Oh, I should tell you what it is. It's on June 3rd, which is a Thursday at 4 p.m., pacific so it doesn't interfere with the monster kid movie club or the podcast so you know i'm gonna be there oh yeah i'll be there ucla has been doing some pretty cool things online for free through a Bright. they showed not too long ago or i guess it was a little while ago now a uh, television movie version of the screaming skull but really it's nothing like the screaming skull that you and i know it was also really cool to see that just Really fascinating stuff. And, you know, listeners, if you come across anything that you think Monster Kids might be interested in joining or participating in or going to or whatever, feel free to send it to me either on Facebook or through one of our
3: various contact channels. Channels? You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657 or you
7: can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's monsterkidradio at gmail.com.
0: And then what I can do is share it with the rest of the listeners here on the show. All right, I already told you what's coming up next week with the Batwoman, Chris McMillan. So I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up by letting you know that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song A Taste of Blood. That is copyright 2010, The Dead Elder. you can find it on their album, A Taste of Blood. By the Dead Elvi, you can find it on places like Amazon, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can download or listen to music. Look them up. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name's Derek M. Cook. I'm going to send this out before I screw up and have to actually edit anything from the intro and the outro because so far I haven't had to do that yet. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Adios.